Welcome to episode 281 of Crack the Customer Code, where there's a prize in every box. So is it cliche to say welcome back to Crack the Customer Code? Is that a cliche at this point, Adam? No, it's just unoriginal. (laughs) Well, I guess we're talking a little bit today about how cliches and unoriginal thoughts have kind of invaded the customer experience space in a way of the same old examples, the same old kind of platitudes that people toss around with customer experience. And we're going to break those down today. What do you think? I think that every rose does have thorns, Jeannie. Wow. Well done. (laughs) And we've got to pick through the thorns. I have no idea. See, this is a problem with cliches. You just sort of throw them out there like little quote cards, and you don't know where they're going to land. Uh, yeah, but yeah sometimes a cliche. You know, sometimes a cliche is a cliche because it represents a fundamental truth. But mm-hmm. then you can sort of get lost in it. It can become a you know a form of sort of generalization that doesn't apply that actually can mislead you. So we're going to knock in those walls a little bit here today. Yep. Yep. I'm going to start us off. You ready? Am I never? Ever <laughs> not. <laughs> wow. Double negative there. Triple I know. Negative. Uh, you know what, Adam? Everyone owns the customer experience. Boom. Have you heard that one before? <laughs> yes, I just a couple thousand times. <laughs> and we've actually talked about this specific cliche on a show in the past because it does get thrown around a lot. And the thought of it is really good. Like if every single person in your organization is living and breathing for the customer, is really aiming to deliver a great customer experience every day, that's great and that will help. But unfortunately, sometimes this is all that people are given. And so it turns into, well, if everyone owns it, I don't really have to worry about it. (laughs) It's not my job. Well, that's another cliche. If everybody's responsible, then no one is. Exactly. That's But that's, that's what it is. And I think that the again, the idea is right. People's hearts are in the right place when they say things like this. But you need to back it up with actual process and accountability and metrics and all of those business businessy things. That's what I call them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they use the technical term. Yeah, exactly. To really support that idea in the first place. Well, you know another businessy cliche. <laughs> Lay it on me. Genie is always right. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. The customer is always right. Have you heard that one before, Jeannie? I have, and I wish the first one were a cliche. <laughs> <laughs> it just happens to be fact. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just the way it is. Uh, no, the, is the customer always right? What do you think? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> right. That's, so when I wrote Be Your Customer's Hero, I had to make that the first chapter. The customer is always blank because it's you know it gets thrown around. It's obviously most people don't believe that cliche anymore. But what happens is people get frustrated by the cliche. They get frustrated by the fact that that idea is sort of promoted. And I always want, and this is a case where you look, should look past the cliche. It's literally not right. It's obviously ridiculous. Customers can be very wrong and uh, wrong in ways that you just never even could have imagined in the first place, <laughs> right? But uh, but what it you know what it where it comes from is from an ethic of trying to change how people thought about customers to being transactional to being relational to saying that the customer is right, you know, unless they really are wrong and to not worry about the small stuff and to treat the customer with value and respect. So the underlying 
you know, theme or tone of the cliche is right, but the literal translation can be very frustrating for frontline workers. And it, it goes back to exactly what we, we were saying. Sometimes people's hearts are in the right place when they say these things, but you have to back it up. You have to make sure you understand what does that mean and how can you support your frontline people when the customer is very, very, very wrong <laughs> because it does happen. <laughs> it does. And you know, another topic that I love, as you know, customer journey mapping and customer journey maps. But I'll tell you what, people look on Google and they see these beautiful customer journey maps and they're like, that's what I need. And I think it's a cliche to say, we just need a c customer journey map and we'll be set. <laughs> yes, exactly. You go to Jeannie if you want a messy journey map. She will not yeah. give you a clean. Oh my gosh. You are not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're all messy because the customer experience is messy, Jeannie, which I think is your point. Yes, exactly. And a lot of the things that people find as visual representations have been basically, you know, whittled down to one perfect linear journey. And that does not represent reality. And putting it on the wall and framing it does not improve the customer journey. You actually, it's about the process of mapping. And then it's about what you do with the information you find in mapping that actually lead to improvements in the customer experience. So customer journey maps, I hate to say it, <laughs> some of them have become a cliche. Uh, well, they're certainly overused. And you know, that's, it reminds me, it's, it's the process, right? It's the process that's yes. important, not the end result. And it reminds me of something uh, President Eisenhower, uh, General Eisenhower, I believe at the time when he said it, he said that uh, plans are useless, but planning is indispensable. Oh, that's really good. I like that one. I don't think I've ever heard that before. Oh, you haven't? Uh, one of my favorite No, quotes. how perfect for this episode to hear something like that that I've never heard. Um, See, and, I, I can actually drop knowledge when I'm winging it. <laughs> <laughs> and I will follow that up with another quote from a not so famous person, but the preschool teacher <laughs> for my kids <laughs> used to always remind us as parents that it's process over product. And I actually use that when I do my workshops on customer journey mapping, because it really is about, you know, when she was talking about it, she was like, it's the act of finger painting, or it's the act of, you know, working things out in a craft project, it's actually not the deliverable that you get at the end. So, you know, some parents would get upset that their kid didn't like what they made and didn't want to bring it home or whatever. She was like, it doesn't matter. It's the act of doing it. So you you quote Eisenhower. I quote Mary from Pilgrim. Yeah, you should probably change <laughs> that up. Just say it's from like Simon Sinek or something. Sounds like oh, nice. what you would have said. <laughs> you know? Or just like quote myself in the third person. I love when people do that. <laughs> you know what? It's a digital age. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I saw that discussion too. Yeah. This was a recent Facebook discussion that came up. But we're going to move on because we've talked about this before, too. So this is sort of like a wrap-up episode with a lot of different things we're putting into one thing, which is cliches and overused examples and overused company examples. They're always the same companies when we talk mm -hmm. about customer experience. Not when you and I do, but when everybody else does. Right. And we're guilty of this a little bit, too, I because know, they're great examples. <laughs> but I think the point is, if we're always talking about... I mean, who do we always talk about? Zappos is one that comes up a lot. That's true. And Amazon, uh, Southwest Airlines, all of these, they come up and then, you know, we they might not, their experience, their business model might not apply 
to your business model or your experience. And so you have to make sure that you're really looking at things through that lens of what will work for us in this stage of our growth with the customers that we have. And, you know, maybe you can't create an Apple store to sell carburetors, (laughs) things like that. You never know. (laughs) You never know. Exactly. Well, you know, I'll I'll add to that because I actually did something, I think, for the first time ever, definitely for the first time in many, many years, a few hours ago, and we haven't even had a chance to discuss this yet. I called Amazon's customer service Mm. phone number, the phone, Jeannie. You have to dig, right? Yeah, okay, I and, and this is where the example comes in. So we use Zappos as an example. We use Amazon as an example. And I just pulled up the sites to be sure uh, Zappos hadn't changed anything because Amazon now owns Zappos. So I actually did a blog post years ago about Zappos user experience and how their page was laid out and how their phone number is huge at the top of the page. Mm. And it still is. And Amazon, I could not find it. I spent all kinds of time and I had to Google it. And when you Google it, it comes up big and it's right there and boom. And they answered it like within a minute. And we're also, I guess they were able to answer it in a minute because nobody can find it. But, uh, but it was interesting. So if we're using these examples, which one's the right example? They're basically in the same industry. They have the same business model mm-hmm. other than, you know, uh, there's a much broader selection in Amazon and digital and all that. But I mean, the, the core business is very much a similar, you know, digital marketplace with, uh, right. uh, you know, ship delivery of goods. Mm-hmm. And one has the phone number big and bold and the other doesn't. And they're both known for their customer experience. It's a really good point. And I've I've had to dig for that number uh, because I got a baby gift years ago from Amazon and the card said like, Dear Stephanie, congratulations on your wedding <laughs> from <laughs> Frank. And I was like, I don't know any of these people. <laughs> so, um, And I wanted to thank the person. So I really had to dig and figure out who sent me the gift. And uh, I had the same experience where you really have to look for it. So, But once I got a hold of somebody, they were fantastic. They and were absolutely great. Exactly. So, So I think what we're doing here today is just reminding you that your business is your business, your experience is your experience, and your customers are your customers. So don't always fall for the same cliches. Don't use the same cliches. Branch out a little bit. Look for ways to support the experience in the best way for your organization. I would agree because, you know, Jeannie, we better get moving. It's raining cats and dogs out there. Oh, my goodness. You you were waiting the whole time to say that, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I was actually the only cliche that came to mind. I, I, need, I know we needed to close with one. <laughs> so that's Perfect. Best not. Well, I guess our outro is probably a little cliched at this point, but I'm going to go for it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Crack the Customer Code. We are a proud member of the C-Suite Radio family. If you like C-Suite Radio, check out C-Suite TV. Watch in-depth interviews with business content for C-Suite leaders and entrepreneurs. It's all on demand at csuitetv.com. I'm Jeannie Walters, and you can find lots of customer experiences, resources like blogs, webinars, and more at 360connects.com. And I'm Adam Tapork, and you can learn more about me and our customer service workshops and training at customersthatstick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself and take care of your customers.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.